All right. Uh, first, I want to apologize to those of you who are watching online because we didn't have any audio for the first part of the service, and we had to shut some things off and turn them back on, and finally, it's one of those mysteries where it doesn't make any sense. Everything, we did everything right, and it still doesn't work. You ever have that happen? You do everything right, and stuff still doesn't work? So, but it's working now. Hopefully, you've been able to catch up with us, and uh, the rest of the service, you'll be able to follow along. Um, if... Uh, if you, since you didn't get to just shake hands with everybody, we would love to hear from you. And uh, I know I had a couple of you texting me saying, there's no sound, and I texted back. I know, we're working on it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect and let us know. We can pray for you or thank God with you, and you guys can all do that same thing. Uh, or you can grab one of those little cards from the back, a little green card, and jot a note on there. And uh, we'd love to pray for you this week or thank God with you or answer any questions you might have. And, uh, and you can also give online or you can give uh, back there as well. Um, I got a couple things that I just put on the back of this that didn't make it onto the screens. One is that our church is having a birthday real soon, uh, about a month from now. Our church turns 20, well, what year is this, 2023? We turn 23, So because um, we started the church back in 2000, and we've been here since 2014 in this building. So some of you discovered us after that time. So for you, the church seems a lot younger. For the rest, of, for some of us, uh, it feels like we've been doing this forever. But uh, uh, yeah, so we're going to have a party that afternoon, and we would love to have you join us. We'll have a little cookout out in the, out in the yard out next to the church here, and uh, we'll get some way to know who's bringing what because we invite you to bring the dishes that you like to make, and, uh, and we'll, we usually provide the meats and the drinks and stuff and, and grill all that, and that's, that's all kinds of fun. Uh, so that's coming up. Mark your calendars for September 17th because that's, that's when that is. Two weeks after Labor Day, one week after Popcorn Fest, it's, it's our birthday. So... And then uh, Unity Cafe continues to happen here on Friday nights uh, with a free meal at 5.30 and a recovery group at 4.30. And, and this morning, we're looking forward to, we, we can hear the guys back there getting things ready. So we're going to have a good breakfast right after this service. I will do my best to end the service on time uh, so we can all have breakfast. There's laughter. For those of you who can't hear it, there's laughter because that's a challenge for me sometimes. So, um, so uh, and life is filled with ups and downs. I was thinking about that when I was praying earlier and talking about the ups and downs of life. And, and uh, we've experienced that just in the last few days uh, at, our, at our house. Um, well, for me, I guess, personally, Friday night I was at a wedding. Someone in our church got married and out in Whiting. And, and uh, so next time you see Gina uh, Pucci, she usually comes at 1030. Uh, you can congratulate her on her, her wedding. Her last name might be changing, might not. I'm not sure how that works. People make different decisions about that. But uh, you can congratulate her. So Friday night there was a wedding. Uh, yesterday, one of our two dogs, uh, 12 and 12 something years old, uh, wasn't doing very well. And, uh, we thought, uh-oh, this doesn't look good and took her to the emergency vet. And sure enough, we had to say goodbye to one of our dogs, uh, last night. <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah. So if you see my boys back there, don't bring it up. All right. <laughs> Cause they, they might, if, if my boys are crying or sad, that's, that's why, um, and then, uh, and then this morning, uh, in the next service, uh, we get to baptize little baby Lucas. So, you know, there's like ups and downs and ups, and, and uh, I know sooner or later there'll be a, a down again, and then there'll be another up, and life just seems like it goes that way. Um, today, what we're talking about is we're making our way through Matthew's gospel. Um, you know, Jesus comes along, and it seems like there's lots and lots of ups when he shows up. I mean, people who have been down for a long time all of a sudden are getting lifted up and, and elevated. And uh, last week we were looking at Jesus being a teacher, and in his Sermon on the Mount, uh, he starts off by calling blessed all these people that others thought were at the bottom of the barrel. Jesus says, no, no, you're blessed because God's going to, you know, those of you who are mourning because God's going to comfort you. And those of you who are meek and have very little, you're going to inherit the earth. You're going to inherit the land. And he, he keeps lifting people up. 
And uh, there's a summary from Matthew that uh, kind of describes what Jesus did as he walked and talked and, and did his ministry uh, that we've looked at the last couple of weeks. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So last week we looked at Jesus as the teacher. Today we're looking at Jesus as the healer. Next week we'll look at Jesus as the, as the king, the anointed king, the Messiah, and what it means to, to be living in this new kingdom of God that Jesus has, has brought about. Um, but right after, so right after this little summary that Jesus is doing this, this is right at the beginning of his ministry, it goes right into the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, where he teaches all that amazing stuff, helps us to understand the intention behind all of God's commands, you know, that he'd given before. He, he keeps saying, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you, and he kind of helps us to understand what God was getting at uh, with, with his laws. And then as soon as he's done with that, you might remember it ends, and the people are amazed. Uh, they say, man, he teaches like someone with authority. Not like they're teachers of the law who just like, quoted each other and said, well, this rabbi says this and this rabbi says that. Jesus spoke as if he was the author himself with authority to interpret this for them. To say, this is what I meant. <laughs> this is what your heavenly father meant when these laws were given to you. And that image of authority continues into the next chapters. Chapters 8 and 9, uh, Jesus does 10 different miracles. And uh, just like uh, Matthew, we've mentioned before, Matthew is kind of presenting Jesus as this new Moses uh, this might be another reflection of that, just like Moses, you know, through Moses, God did those 10 miracles in Egypt, we call them the 10 plagues, because they were pretty rotten for the Egyptians, but pretty good for people of Israel, because it led to their being released. Um, here, Jesus has 10 miracles, and almost all of them are, are healing related. There's one where he calms the storm, and the disciples are like, whoa, who is this guy? You know, he, even the wind and the waves obey him. But as soon as you hit Matthew chapter 8, he, he begins healing people. And the, and the second one is, uh, is surprising because it's a Roman officer, Roman centurion. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. That's a, that had to sting for Jesus' fellow Israelites. Because here's a Roman one of the oppressors, one of those that they're hoping the Messiah will show up and boot out of their land and defeat. And he's saying, this guy's got faith. This guy knows how it works. This guy doesn't even, he knows I don't have to come and do some kind of magic touch or something. To, I can just, he knows that I'm in charge, that I have authority to do this. He says, I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying, when the day comes, when, when all are gathered together, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the, the founders of the nation, when there's the great feast, many people from many nations will come and be there, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's no wonder the religious leaders weren't big fans of Jesus, right, when he says things like this. He's saying the people who have been God's people are going to find themselves on the outside if they don't learn to trust God like the centurion is. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. 
So one thing these, these healing miracles that Jesus uh, performs are demonstrating is his authority. It's again demonstrating that he, who he is, that he is who he says that he is, that he is who Matthew says he is. From the very first words, he's the Messiah. He's God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And right there in chapter 1, when the angel spoke to Joseph, he said, You'll, he'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. And here he is. He's in charge. He has authority to heal. Uh, in the next chapter, we have a moment where Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. You might be familiar with this story from some of the other Gospels where they mention the details that, like, it was really crowded and they couldn't get to him, so they go up on the roof and they dig a hole in the roof and they lower the person down. Matthew just kind of skips those details. He doesn't feel like that's, feels like that's beside the point. So they come to him with this paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. So two unexpected things there. Uh, for me, it's unexpected that it says he saw their faith, the faith of these friends who carried him there. So they were willing to, to get this friend to Jesus to trust him. Because of their faith, he does this for this man. And then the other surprising thing is he forgives his sins. Now, I would think, like, okay, Jesus, thanks, but that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> you brought him to you so you can make him walk. You know, but Jesus starts by forgiving his sins. And at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow's blaspheming. And I kind of picture them saying it to themselves, and kind of talking into their beards. You know, they, got the, they probably have those big, marvelous beards, you know. And they're kind of standing next to each other, and this, this fellow's blaspheming. You know. Maybe they were shouting it out, but it says they said it to themselves. And then it says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Imagine everyone's thinking, well, it's easy to tell somebody their sins are forgiven. Anybody can say that, you know. Nobody knows if that's true or not. But if you say get up and walk, I mean, everyone's going to know. So he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. So I just found it interesting. I didn't come into this expecting to see this, this theme of authority pop up over and over again. You know, as we were planning the year and, and thinking, okay, which gospel are we going to look at as we make our way from Genesis back in January to Revelation in December? You know, we're going to look at one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and, and it feels like it had been a while since we looked at Matthew. So, okay, let's look at Matthew. And, and <clears throat> I, as we started, as I started looking at the book, I realized, oh, it kind of, you know, he summarizes his work as, you know, teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and, and healing. And so let's, let's let that kind of uh, shape the month. And I did not expect when I got into the healing that it would mention authority so many times. I just hadn't noticed that before, I guess. Uh, maybe you had. Maybe you're a more observant reader uh, than, I, than I've been. Um, but it seems like over and over again, one of the things that's being demonstrated by Jesus' healing miracles is that he's been authorized to do this. He has the authority to do this. And he has the authority not just to heal, but now we see to forgive sins, which is something that only God can do. That's why they're mumbling to themselves, he's blaspheming, because he's claiming to be able to do something that only God can do. And here Jesus is doing it. What makes it even more interesting then is that in the very next chapter, chapter 10, it starts with this. 
Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So now Jesus is passing, sharing that authority with his disciples and sending them out to do this work, to, to do work in his name as his people, as his disciples. It's Jesus' authority. And so we see that happen next month. We'll get to the book of Acts. And we see that happen early on in the book of Acts as Peter's going to the temple and there's a, a man there who's lame and he, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the man gets up and walks. And, and Peter gives all the credit to Jesus. It says, because of what Jesus has done, that this man is, is healed. He says, this is something that he extends to his disciples. And sure enough, the disciples... Uh, get to go do this. Now, it doesn't always work perfectly for them. There are times they come back to Jesus and they're like, why couldn't we do this? You know, we're trying. And he's like, oh, yeah, you don't have enough faith or you're not, you know, this is only by prayer or, or has to give them some correction. But we see Jesus, this is kind of demonstrating who Jesus is and what he can do. And he is sharing his life and his authority with us, with his disciples. Now, this doesn't always, uh, like I said, it doesn't always go well, and some, some folks have some pretty negative reactions to Jesus and his, uh, his healing work. And if, if there's a question in your mind of like, well, okay, so does that mean that happens today? We're going to get to that in just a minute, okay? All right, if you're sitting there thinking like, oh, oh, he's shared that with us. Okay, so are we going to be praying for healing, and do we expect God to do? We're going to get to that in just a second, all right? I know that question's in your head, but I want to deal with this first, okay? There are some people, as you read Matthew's Gospels, that have some pretty negative reactions to, to Jesus. Like when he healed on the Sabbath, um, in Matthew chapter 12, you know, the Sabbath was this day of rest that was every observant Jew made sure this is a day devoted to God, devoted to, you weren't supposed to do any other work, um, you, you devoted this day to God. And it was, this was important, this was a gift God had given them, it's in the Ten Commandments for crying out loud. And it says, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they assumed the answer was, well, no, it's not lawful to heal. Healing someone is work. You know, giving medical attention is, is work. And so, no, you're not allowed to do that on the Sabbath. In fact, they get really pretty explicit about that in some of the other, other Gospels. Jesus points out to him. I had to skip this part of the room. He points out, like, look, if your animal gets stuck in a ditch on the Sabbath, you're going to get it out. You're going to save the animal's life on the Sabbath, right? You're not just going to let it die because, oh, sorry, it's the Sabbath. So he says, of course it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This is the first time in Matthew's gospel that they decide, not just that we want to oppose him, we want to charge him with something. This is the first time they're thinking, we've got to kill this guy. Because he healed someone on the Sabbath. Because he was challenging their religious expectations, their religious norms. And I've got to be honest, I'm not sure what to do with that. Like, I think, okay, what does that mean for me? I've got my expectations. I've got my religious norms. I've got my thoughts of this is what God expects, and this is, you know, what we expect. You know, if, if it's really God, he would do it this way, not that way, or at this time, and not that time. And Jesus challenges that to the point where they, they want to kill him. Makes me wonder about myself. And the ways I might resist what God wants to do in my life, in our church, in our community. Another time that uh, his healings drew negative reactions 
is when he sent some, some demons from these two men into some pigs. Are some of you familiar with that story? Maybe not. Uh, some of you, he gets to a place, and, and there are these two men that come to him, and they're apparently just full of demons, full of these impure spirits, and to the point where the, the demons say through the men, like, hey, son of God, what are you, you're not here to send us uh, away before our appointed time, are you? And Jesus wants to release these men from their captivity to these uh, demons. And we see uh, multiple times there are people who are, who are deaf because it says because of an unclean spirit. Or they can't speak because of an, uh, a demon or something. And so this is one of the reasons that the people in Jesus' day, when, when they saw someone who was suffering, one of the explanations was, well, perhaps there's a demon involved, an impure spirit, an unclean spirit. In this case, Matthew doesn't describe what it's doing to them other than they're like kind of living out in the wild. Um, but Jesus, they, they ask, the demons ask Jesus, so don't just send us you know, to the abyss. Don't just send us out there. Send us into those, those pigs over there. There's some people farming pigs over someplace. And so Jesus says, fine, go. And he sends the demon into the pigs, and the pigs go nuts and run down the hill and drown in the lake which is kind of a little funny thing, like, oh, they didn't want to go to the abyss, but they end up in the abyss anyway, in the pigs. But anywho, the demons got what was coming to them no matter what. But, and the two men are are like released, they're healed, they're fine. All of a sudden they're released from whatever had been going on in them. They're free of it. And they go to town, and the townspeople are amazed, and they come out to see Jesus, and well, it says the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, I'd kind of think, like, they brought all the other sick people to him, or they asked him to please stay with them, like some people do when Jesus does these amazing things. But what it says is, when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. And the only thing I can come up with, the only reason why I can think they're asking Jesus, you know, get out of here, go. Maybe they were just freaked out, and they're like, we don't know what to do with this, please go. Um, Maybe it's because he just cost them a whole lot of money with the pigs. (laughs) That's all I can think of, you know. They're like, dude, we can't afford you. You know, you, you've got to go. Um, it's, we're, we're happy for these two. But if you had asked us ahead of time, like, are you willing to give up this so that these two can be set free? We would not have agreed to that. It has me thinking. Are there, are there times that, what's that? Scared. scared them. I'm sure it scared them, yeah. Yeah. But it has me thinking, like, okay, are there things... When there are people in my world who are suffering, am I willing to expend whatever the cost might be to see them relieved, their suffering relieved, to see them helped? Would I be angry too and ask Jesus to leave if it cost me more than I expected? I don't know, these are just the things I'm reflecting on, okay? I'm not telling you what, to, what you have to do with any of this. All right, I'm just sharing with you kind of things that I'm finding myself reflecting on with these negative reactions. And the third one uh, is when people thought that they knew Jesus. And so it says that they lacked faith for him to even do miracles for them. Um, in, I think this is Matthew 13. I forgot to put the, I actually left the reference off. It'll be on the screen in a minute. But coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. They, you know, they've heard about him doing these miracles and healing people. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. 
kind of imagining them, them seeing Jesus, you know, and saying, who does he think he is? You know, we, we know him. We know his family. Where, where, is he, where is he getting all this from? Who does he, does he think he's better than us? <laughs> I'm not sure. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and in his own home. They thought, we know this guy. You know, we, we saw him. We, we know he's, you know, just an ordinary guy like, like any of us. Jesus the Messiah? What, the carpenter's kid? No, no way. It says, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Yeah, Matthew 13, sorry, 54 to 58, if you want to look that, that up later. So they lacked, they lacked faith in him. And so he couldn't even do much. There were probably sick people there in his hometown who could have been healed, or people who needed help, but they didn't bring him to Jesus because they thought, why would we bring him to Jesus? We know him. They weren't expecting anything special from Jesus. Which has me thinking, are there times that we just, our expectations are too low where we think, oh yeah, we know how God works. We know how Jesus works. I'm not going to ask him for that. He wouldn't do that. You know, or he wouldn't be able to help with this. You know, times when God might be happy to do something for us, but we never even entrust him with it. We never reach out to him for help with it. Now, that question uh, that I mentioned earlier, the why question, why is it that sometimes God heals people and sometimes he doesn't? One thing has been mentioned a couple of times now that Matthew mentions is, is people's lack of faith. And I got to be careful here because I've talked to too many people who have been you know, injured by this idea because... Uh, let's say they've been praying and their friends have been praying for healing for something and they don't get healed, right? They, they have something that continues to bother them for the rest of their lives or, or they die from whatever it might be. And that question comes up, why is it that God sometimes heals people over here but didn't heal me or my family member? Why, why is that? And, uh, and sometimes we point to things like, well, maybe you didn't have enough faith. As if faith was something you could just kind of muster up and say, like, oh, I just got to believe more. I got to believe harder. Maybe I squeeze my eyes tighter or something. You know, then God will know I'm, I believe him. I'm trusting him. Um, if you are bringing things to Jesus and genuinely asking him, please, God, can you help with this? I mean, Jesus says it only takes a mustard seed of faith. And so if you're bringing things to Jesus, if you're genuinely asking and hoping and inviting him to help, I believe you are exercising all the faith that's necessary. And it might be that Jesus comes back and says, well, if you trust me, then why don't you do this? You know, uh, like he does to some other people in the story. You know, the rich young man who he says, well, if you want to follow me, then you've got to sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come and follow me. Sometimes Jesus will reply with something specific and say, well, if you trust me, then why haven't you done this yet? I've already been talking with you. I've been inviting you to trust me in this area of your life. Why haven't you trusted me there yet and that's where you and God need to have that conversation and you need to you need to trust him you know if there's some area of your life where you're not trusting him well go ahead and trust him but it, it can be so damaging to folks when like we blame them for God not healing them or something by saying well I guess you just didn't have enough faith or I guess maybe you have some hidden sin in your life and and I've talked to enough people read enough stories where it's like nope Everything. I mean, that's why we looked at Job earlier this year, okay, to kind of help answer this question. Sometimes it's a mystery. Sometimes we don't know. 
Sometimes righteous people suffer. And we we see that uh, in the New Testament as well. The Apostle Paul has some kind of thorn in the flesh. He pleads with God three times to take it away, and God says, no. So I'm going to give you my grace instead. That's enough. My power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes his answer is no. Sometimes he he chooses not to heal us. We, We are left with trusting in God's goodness, in his care, in his wisdom, that God knows best what will be best for us and best for the world around us and best for his purposes in the world. And so we trust him and we entrust ourselves to him. We do like Jesus did at the end. We'll look at this next week a little bit. As Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's about to be arrested and hauled off and eventually crucified. And he says, Father, I know everything's possible for you. Please, now let this cup of suffering pass for me. Don't make me drink this. Don't make me go through with this. But it's not about what I want. It's what you want. I'm willing to do what you need me to do. So we, we ask and then we entrust God. We entrust ourselves to God and we, we let him do what he knows needs to be done. Uh, John the Baptist is kind of an example of this. We see in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 11, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he hears that he's healing and doing all these things. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is, is to come or should we expect someone else? Which is a strange question from John because he's been pointing people to Jesus and saying, no, he's the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Go, follow him. He must become greater. I must become less. All these things that John has done pointing to Jesus. And here he is saying from prison, are you the one or is there someone else we should be expecting? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. he's, He's saying this is evidence of who I am. This is evidence that, yes, indeed, I am the Messiah. I am, I am the, the king. I'm the one who is bringing the, the kingdom of God here. And then he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I've, I've heard it said, and it makes sense to me, that, uh, so I'll pass it on to you, that, um, that perhaps the stumbling that Jesus is talking about here is like, John, I'm, I'm doing all these great things for other people, but I'm leaving you in prison. I'm, I'm not setting you free. You know, if you're the Messiah, maybe that's what John's asking. If you're the Messiah, and I've been pointing people to you, shouldn't you be rescuing me? And later in the story, John is executed. He loses his life. Jesus doesn't rescue him, doesn't save him. And Jesus says, you know, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me, on account of the fact that I sometimes will choose that, yes, this is how things have to go. And your path is going to be one of suffering. Your path is going to be one of of death. And these other folks are going to get relieved they're suffering relieved i wish i knew you know I've, I've said this before i wish i knew why god sometimes chooses to heal one and and sometimes chooses not to heal another um, but that's still a mystery to us we trust you god we we ask him for healing we pray for healing we invite him to heal and then it's in god's hands I just included one last verse in here uh, from Matthew 15. This is at a time when Jesus was actually kind of right on the edge of of Israel. And so there were some folks from outside Israel that had been coming and bringing people to him and trusting him. And it says, the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Whenever God chooses to heal, I mean, the the hope is, the, the point is that this will bring glory to God. You know, that people will, will recognize that God is, in fact, in our midst, that God is at work, um, that God is here. 
And um, there's another little moment that I didn't have room to put in there where Jesus, uh, he, he gives the business to some of the towns where he'd done some of his miracles, but they hadn't repented. And he says, well, woe to you. If, if the miracles I had done in your town had been done in like Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, they'd still be here. They wouldn't have had the fire rain down on them because they would have repented. You, you saw these miracles, but you didn't repent. When God does these amazing things, and I, and I know from talking to some of you, some of you have the stories of, yes, in fact, God has healed. And so I, I know there are stories present here where you, you said, yep, we prayed. God did this amazing thing. We, we didn't think it was, this person was going to make it, and they made it. You know, they, they didn't, we didn't think this was going to turn around, and it turned around. And God has done some amazing things in some of your lives. And I know that some of you, some of the same people, <laughs> also have stories of saying, yeah, we prayed. And, you know, in that instance, God chose not to heal. You know, or God gave us strength to endure that difficulty, um, but didn't, didn't heal the disease. His, his goal for all of us is that we would trust in him, that we would repent, that we would turn from uh, just trusting ourselves and what we can accomplish and actually trust in him. That's what God wants for each and every one of us, all right? So sometimes God might work in miraculous ways, and sometimes he might not. Either way, I hope that we can put our trust in him. Now, we are going to celebrate communion in just a moment, and then if you would like, after, right after that, we're going to have some breakfast. But if you're struggling with something and you would like just some prayer, you'd like to invite God to heal or to do something for you that maybe he hasn't done, you know, I would love to, to pray with you. And so while other people are going off and getting in line for breakfast, I'll be right over here. I'd be happy to sit and pray with you, invite God to, to do whatever it is that God wants to do in your heart, in your life. And if there are others of you who are like, want to help pray, you're invited to come as well. Um, because we really do believe that God is present and at work. We, we trust him. You know, we, we entrust ourselves to him. We let him make the decisions, but we're not afraid to ask. We're not afraid to come to him. We're not afraid to, to trust in the God who is with us. So let's, let's go ahead and bow our heads and let's pray today. <clears throat> God, today I'm having to acknowledge that there's a whole lot I don't understand. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised that I... I can't understand everything about you, the infinite God, <laughs> when here I am, just an ordinary human being. God, we sure are grateful that you care for us and that you are with us. Man, it, it's amazing to us to think that the God of the universe might come to where we are to, to actually bring your, your life, your healing, your joy, your peace, all that you bring to us, God. We're so grateful that your power intersects with our lives and really does change us. Sometimes in quick, miraculous ways, sometimes in slow and tedious ways. Sometimes you work in ways we can't explain. Other times you work through the ordinary means of medicine or, or friendship or whatever it might be. God, today I pray that you would help us to, to entrust ourselves to you. To look for you to be at work in our lives, whatever that might be cost, however that might challenge our religious ideas or expectations, however that might go against what we think we already know, God, we are, we are entrusting ourselves to you, and we, we acknowledge that there's, there's going to be an element to that that we just cannot understand. So thank you, God. Thank you for being mysterious. Thank you for being more than we can comprehend 
I don't think I'd want to worship you if I could understand you fully, God. So thank you. Thank you, though, that we can trust you. We can trust in your faithful love. We can trust in your goodness. We can trust in your care. Thank you, God. You have demonstrated this overwhelming love that you have for us in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And so we are thankful to be invited to his table today to to offer you these gifts of bread and juice and to pray that by your spirit's presence here we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body, in his blood, reminded that you will go to the greatest lengths to join us in our weakness, to join us in our brokenness, to join us in our humanity with all of all of what that entails, all the ugliness that that sometimes brings. Jesus, you took our sin on yourself as we nailed you to that cross. And by your death and resurrection, you broke the power of sin and death and the devil so that we could be set free. So would you set us free today, God? Would you forgive our sins? We offer ourselves to you, all that we are, body, soul, mind, spirit, all that we are, God. We offer ourselves to you, and we pray for your transforming love, for your amazing grace to change us from the inside out. Please, God, bring your healing. Please, God, give your grace. And whatever your response to our requests for your help, God, would you assure us of your presence and of your love? That you're as close to us as the, as the bread and the juice that we're about to taste. It's about to enter our bodies and become part of us. God, may your love and your grace and your spirit, may it become a part of us. May we accept all that you have to offer as we entrust ourselves to you. Thank you, God. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Holy Spirit of Christ that you fill us with today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Man, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice as we sing. You're invited to come forward, take bread, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. We've got the regular bread and the little round gluten-free wafers, or we've got the little cups if you want one of those. And if you can't make your way forward, we have those little cups on your tables as well uh, that you can peel it back and get to the bread and peel it back and get to the juice and, and, uh, and celebrate together as we sing. So open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. So let's come. Let's celebrate.
my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred hand for sinners such as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for crimes that I had done He groaned upon the tree Amazing pity, grace unknown Thank you again, God, for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you that the burden of our hearts rolled away as we have received grace upon grace upon grace from you. Help us today to be filled with that spirit of Christ so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, carrying your grace and your hope and your healing and your goodness to the people around us. God, thank you for the chance we have this morning to enjoy some food together. Uh, we pray you'd bless those who prepared it for us and uh, bless us as we enjoy it. Uh, we pray that you would uh, bless Ryan and Allison and baby Lucas as we get to celebrate uh, Lucas's baptism in this next service. And God, we pray you would bless all of us as we continue to entrust ourselves to you. Thank you, God. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, go in peace to get some food back there. Unless you'd like some prayer, I'll be right up here. First, can I serve you? <laughs>